0: Hello, Major Steve Dre here with
1: Lieutenant Colonel Sean Lister,
0: and we're here to discuss United States versus Palacios Cueto, sir? Yeah, so this case
1: is about really two issues. One, ineffective assistance of counsel, and then the second would be prosecutorial misconduct. It's important to keep in mind that the alleged crimes occurred in 2018 um, because that Play, that has to do with allegations of ineffective assistance of counsel that the uh, accused brought up against his Civilian Defense Counsel and Trial Defense Counsel on appeal. The statute changed in 2019, and so uh, some of the misconduct would not have been a crime under the 2019 At statute. least this crime would this have, have been crime. this crime. It right, would not have been of sexual contact, as we'll talk about here in a second. But the facts of the case are that the accused was an Airman First Class assigned to Hanscom Air Force Base, and he and the uh, victim in the case, and we'll call her Airman First Class M.T., or just M.T. um, They went out together for a night of drinking off base. Um, At some point, they returned to base, and they continued uh, to have some more drinks, and uh, M.T. became intoxicated. Airman First Class M.T. became intoxicated. Uh, the accused walked her back to her room and there's surveillance video from I think it's the hallway, uh, some of the common areas of the barracks must have surveillance videos and there's a video of, that show the accused kiss MT and then follow her into her room. She went to bed soon after entering the room and she testified her last memory before falling asleep was the accused touching her stomach. And when she woke up the next morning Uh, The accused was in her bed wearing only his underwear, and she believed that she had been sexually assaulted, so uh, she tossed him out of her room and then immediately reported. And as a result, uh, after an investigation, the accused was charged with one specification of sexual assault, and two specifications of abuse of sexual contact. And the abuse of sexual contact that was alleged was the kiss in the hallway and the touching the stomach, right? And that's why T- differentiating between the 2019 statute and the 2018 statute is important in this case. The accused was sentenced, so he was convicted by a panel uh, of the two abusive sexual contact acquitted by the panel of the sexual assault and then sentenced to reduction to E1, a bad conduct discharge, and then 90 days of hard labor without confinement. The convening authority disapproved the hard labor without confinement and then took no action on the remainder of the sentence. Air Force Court of Criminal Appeals affirmed, and then this went to uh, went to CAF, and then the issues at CAF were uh, allegations of ineffective assistance of counsel against the civilian defense counsel and the trial defense counsel, and then prosecu- prosecutorial misconduct against the trial counsel for making improper statements during voir dire, opening, closing, and sentencing. CAF affirmed. Uh, They held there was no ineffective assistance of counsel. And then they also held with respect to the prosecutorial misconduct that although the trial counsel made several improper statements, it was not severe enough to affect the substantial rights of the accused.
0: And so, sir, we'll talk about the statements later. We'll get into the specifics. The takeaway from this case is not that what the prosecutor said was proper. In fact, they find that, and we'll talk about them in a minute, what the prosecutor said was improper, at least six different times what the prosecutor said was not something that the prosecutor should have done, but that it wasn't so prejudicial to the accused that it likely resulted in a different outcome. Right, and, and you know, the um, I
1: think that, you know, allegations of of improper argument by prosecutors is, the number one uh, reason that cases go to go up on appeal for allegations of uh, prosecutorial misconduct. And I'm barred in the state of Maine, and I, and I get my state Supreme Court's cases sent to me uh, in, in email. And just last month, there was a, a case that got overturned by the Maine Supreme Judicial Court for prosecutorial misconduct for improper arguments. So uh, this happens in the military. Um, there's probably I think there's like 17 cases at least, uh, cap, just CAF cases, that talk about prosecutorial misconduct and so this is an area um, where you know, I think that we, that our military justice leaders probably need to spend some time doing some training because of the frequency it, ha- it happens, it happens in civilian courts, it happens in military courts and it's something that's avoidable. And this case could have turned out differently but for the actions of the military judge at the like we will talk about. Right. It's
0: okay to be passionate. It's okay, okay. to bring some energy to your arguments, but you got to know the rules. You got to stay within the confines of the rules. Yeah. Is you argue argue the evidence. Uh, you
1: can you can't appeal to the passion. And that's kind of what this prosecutor did. He, he used the word justice at least 8 times.
0: In us in a bad way. we'll get to that. Let's we'll keep them in suspense. Let's let's mm-hmm. talk IAC first sir because the cap dealt with with IAC first what happened here yeah so good
1: news for defense attorneys it's hard for defense attorneys to commit IAC and you know the standard is whether the counsel's conduct falls within the wide range of reasonable professional assistance and so in order to prevail the accused has to show that the conduct was deficient right so it falls outside the range of reasonable professional assistance and then uh, if it does uh, then the deficiency caused prejudice. And so the CAF, in this case talks about, and it's a really good discussion. It's a, I think it's a really good case that kind of walks counsel through how to uh, how to approach these problems. And so with respect to uh, basically, the allegations are lumped into kind of three buckets. One of them deals with kind of collateral consequences. So one of the allegations was that the defense counsel failed to advise, the accused properly on sex offender registration and then it didn't advise the accused to mention it uh, mention the fact that he would have to register as a sex offender in his unsworn statement um, likewise uh, the uh, there was a similar allegation that trial defense counsel didn't properly advise or, or, or tell the accused to mention the discuss the mandatory discharge either in his unsworn statement or in their sentencing argument and the CAF said, well, it wasn't unreasonable for the defense counsel to not to do those things because the judge would just give the proper instructions that collateral consequences resulting from the, uh, from the conviction aren't appropriate considerations for the panel and sentencing.
0: Right. So let's, and let's just break down exactly what happened here and why the, ju- the CAF found no error here was because the appellant's position here is that he was not advised to bring up the collateral consequences of sex offender registration in his unsworn statement. And we know that when a an accused generally has a, a wide ability to offer information during their unsworn statement without being cut off, but the panel is going to get an instruction that they can essentially disregard the, the nature of collateral consequences defi- uh, described by an accused and an unsworn. And the reason for that is because, essentially courts have taken the position that c- there are too many collateral con- consequences out there to know exactly what is gonna happen as a result of the findings. Okay, and so here, essentially the position is that they are irrelevant to a sentence, right? This is happening during the sentencing proceeding. And so the sex offender registration other types of collateral consequences that happen as a result of the findings are irrelevant to the sentence, right? Whether a sentence is zero or life in prison, the collateral consequences are going to be the same. Is sort of the position. And then and that it's difficult to divine exactly what will happen. And that's part of, part of the appellant's position here too is that, well, I didn't have the opportunity. I wasn't told that I should discuss the fact that I'm going to be probably definitely administratively separated if I don't get a discharge, that was also something that I should have been informed to talk about during my own sworn. My attorney should have discussed it, and they didn't, and so that was ineffective, which is actually a pretty interesting argument. If you think about the the argument about the administrative discharge is pretty interesting because on a PO's position is that, well, if I, that the administrative discharge is a consequence of the sentence, not the findings, because if I'm not punitively discharged, by the panel or the sentencing authority, then that administrative separation will now be relevant. And so an interesting position, but the CAV found that that is not, they, it was not clear from the record that a administrative separation would definitely occur as a result of a conviction, but no discharge here. And so that's part of the reason why the CAV found it uh, not to be deficient performance.
1: Yeah, and in fact, the panel sent back a question while they were um, deliberating, asking if the accused would have to register as a sex offender and the judge uh, gave him the proper instruction. And so I think that factors into the reasonableness of the defense counsel's um, decision not to bring that up, knowing that it's not a proper consideration. Right.
0: It was before the panel. They had it. They got this instruction and that this instruction essentially is you can disregard. Right. And, um, the, and the funny thing about the the, the required initiation of
1: separation or the required separation, the out there that CAF used is the fact that uh, a person convicted but not, sep- not punitively discharged can request an exception to policy and right. it may be granted. Right. Um, and, so, and so because it's not a sure thing that the person's actually going to be separated, that's what they kind of hung their hat on on that issue.
0: But that's you know that's an important takeaway about collateral consequences. The courts just we don't know, we can't figure it out. We're not going to have a trial within a trial about what may happen as a result of your conviction, and so not really relevant for the sentence.
1: Yeah, and you know in, in uh, you know going way back uh, to when I was trying these cases full time, back then defense counsel would consistently try to bring in. The collateral consequences in sentencing, in were uh, uniformly shot down in those attempts. And so, I just think over the uh, you know almost a decade and a half since then, um, the defense is just okay. We know we know we're not going to be able to talk about this stuff, and so that probably goes into their decision making process. Um, but good try by the accused to to bring that up, good, and good try by the uh, the defense appellate attorney to. Uh, you know, to try a long shot, but they, they went for it. And then the other thing they, they argued was, uh, so the other, two other things they argued. One was that they failed to bring to light that under a, the amended statute, and this is the difference between the 2018 statute and 2019 statute when the case went to trial, um, they failed to bring to light that under the revised definitions in the new statute, his conduct would not have, would not have been abusive sexual contact. And, uh, and the CAF said, well, the military judge would have, just, would have instructed them to disregard that on the basis that they would be instructed to apply the law at the time of the offense. And so the fact that the statute had changed by the time of trial was irrelevant. And so it was not, not ineffective as a counsel for the, uh, for the trial defense counsel not to try to argue, um, that try to apply through argument and unsworn that the new statute somehow is relevant to this and then the last thing they brought up was just overall deficiency in the defense counsel you know their overall performance in the sentencing and the calf said that you know a, an appellant will only be successful in these cases um, when the conduct uh, you know where they can show that uh, the I'll show a long series, so they can point to a long series of omissions by counsel that were not simply the product of human fallibility, but the result of conscious, uh, of uh, the result of a lack of conscientious effort, right? So an absolute lack of effort, not just a mistake. Um, and none of the conduct, uh, they look, you know, as they look through the record, there was no indication in the cast mind that these, these trial defense attorneys Had just a lack of diligence in representing their client.
0: All right, sir, let's turn to the prosecutorial misconduct issue that the CAF addressed here. The eight instances in which trial counsel made an appeal or reference to justice. And it's more than just calling this case about justice, right? And I'll give you some examples of them. The, the prosecutor said that he was representing the United States of America in the pursuit of justice in this case. Maybe that's not the worst thing that somebody could say. Uh, but then we've got some other examples here where he's equating justice with a finding of guilty. That's the problem. It's not necessarily calling justice out for the panel to, to apply. It's saying, here's an example, I ask you all to repair the little that can be repaired and bring justice by finding the accused guilty, right? It's not bringing justice by weighing the facts and the evidence and making a decision. It's using just, is equating justice with only finding of guilt. Another example is whether justice will be served or whether the accused will be acquitted, right? It's an either or and justice is on the side of conviction, not a objective analysis of the facts. And so, right, another one is choose between serving justice or finding appellant not guilty, right? Another bad example. And so here, the Civilian Defense Council, though, was not objecting to these yeah, that's the statements by the, the government. Yeah, so sir, let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, so I mean, so the, the bottom line is uh, what was so wrong with what the trial council did was suggesting through the use of the term justice and choosing between justice and a finding of not guilty is suggesting to the panel that it was their military obligation their duty to find this person guilty and that they wouldn't be doing justice unless they found the person guilty and so that was why that was why the comments were so inappropriate Um, but yeah you point out the big problem and so when I teach uh, you know when I teach this to uh, our advocates that come through the school you know I tell the trial defense attorneys object because it, it makes a big difference in the standard on appeal. If you object uh, direct to improper argument, um, then it's going to be a de novo standard, and you know you'll have a much better chance on appeal of succeeding. Here they didn't object, and now we're on a plain error standard. So the, again, the military judge gets maximum deference, and um, and so that's really. The, most of the cases in this kind of along this line, the, you know, the 17 or 18 of cases now that, are, that deal with prosecutorial misconduct for improper argument, most of the time they turn on what the standard of review is and whether the uh, defense objected. And so uh, that's, you know, that's the, uh, it's a portent in how this case turned out. Um, but they do a good job talking through kind of right if the misconduct materially prejudices a substantial right of the accused and the test for that is the severity of the misconduct the measures to cure and that's key in this case uh and the weight of the evidence against the against the accused right When
0: we're talking harmlessness the, the harmless analysis is whether it, you know would have had an impact on the results of the case right and here right that test so we're looking at error, and the court does find these the court finds that these at least six of the eight statements by the by the government attorney were error that they exceeded the left and right limits of what a prosecutor can say right that equating justice to to conviction essentially uh but that prejudice test that you just mentioned sir uh here for improv, for prosecutorial misconduct it's was it we're looking at the severity of the misconduct the measure adopted to cure the misconduct, and then the weight of the evidence supporting the conviction, and so the fir- the cap finds that this was moderately severe. Okay, so it's not the worst prosecutorial misconduct ever, but it's not the least. But then noted that the military judge gave an instruction that right. That's the cure. is uh, About the the cap found that. Uh, effective curative measures were taken, the military judge gave the members complete and correct instructions and informed the members that the instructions should control their deliberation. So really what that is is just the military judge gave the instructions that they were supposed to give. Without any evidence that the panel considered those statements, uh, that's sort of what we're left with. And then last, the CAF found that the weight of the evidence supporting the conviction was moderate. Alright, so there was these statements were bad. They were error by the prosecutor, but the government's case was reasonably strong. They had corroborating evidence of what the victim said. They had a video of the appellant kissing her and entering her room, and then there was medical and forensic evidence that was not inconsistent with Airman First Class MT's testimony. So, CAF also found that the members gave a sentence that does not appear to have resulted from inflamed passions, and that's what we're concerned about with improper argument that people are sort of instead of using the rules and the instructions and applying them that they're using that they're sort of making decisions based on emotions that have been triggered by the improper argument and the CAF found that they they just didn't find enough here. And if you're not going to read the whole case, at least read the snippets of what not to say. Yeah. Justice is not the same as conviction. All right. Uh, okay. Anything else? No. All right. Oh, thank you. Thanks sir.